You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode 170. Talk about overcoming your delegation fears with Jamie Van Kuyk. Jamie Van Kuyk, the owner and lead strategist of Growing Your Team, helps women small business owners become confident leaders who hire right every single time. Drawing from over 15 years of leadership experience, Jamie teaches her clients how to master the art of hiring. By learning the dynamics of each company and their specific needs, she helps them find their perfect fit, long-lasting team members, and helps avoid the hiring and firing cycle. On a personal side, Jamie lives in St. Petersburg, Florida, with her husband and two daughters, is a hobby winemaker, ooh la la, loves to travel, and enjoys exercise that takes her feet off the ground, including rock climbing and aerial dance. Y'all, Jamie is lovely. Such a breath of fresh air, and she is going to give it to us straight. We're talking about releasing control. We're talking about getting over your mindset of only I can do it this way. Also, we talk about the cycle of micromanagement and how to get out of it and better yet, avoid it. If you have even one team member, you must listen to this episode. Friends, go get your coffee, get your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Guess what? It's time. The Wedding Summit Series is back. Over the past two years, over 10,000 wedding pros have joined the Wedding Summit Series events. All about community, design, and client experience. But this time around, we're talking about marketing and advertising. Make more money with a winning marketing strategy, content that speaks to your ideal client, and advertising you actually see a return on. I am so excited for you to see my talk called The Method in the Message, How to Craft a Joyous Brand Message with Ease. It's going to help you easily write copy for your Instagram and your website that sounds like your best self and attracts only the best clients. Now remember, this summit is different. Summits and online events that tackle the entire scope of running a wedding business can only really scratch the surface of every topic, but the Wedding Summit series is different. It goes deep. We only focus on one topic at a time. We go deep to ensure that you leave having mastered the topic area and are ready to implement right away. So mark your calendar and join us February 20th to 22nd. That's right, only three days because we know you're busy. And grab your free ticket at www.reneedallow.com forward slash WSS. That's for Wedding Summit Series. reneedallow.com forward slash WSS. See you at the summit, friends. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow. And this week, I'm joined by the very lovely Jamie Van Kuyk. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing great, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here. Y'all, we are talking, (laughs) we're talking about something that all my wedding pros, especially my planners, are going to immediately have a little feeling in your gut like, uh uh-oh, she's talking about me. Today, (laughs) we're talking about how to release control and overcome your delegation fears. Yes. It's so important. Yes, it is. Jamie, why is this your like pet topic? 
So I love talking about this because even for me, sometimes delegation is hard to do, but it's something that we need to do if we want to grow and scale our businesses. We only have so much time, energy, and everything that we can give to our business. And when we reach our capacity, there's only one thing we can do if we want to keep growing, delegate. But we, it's a thing a lot of us resist because we all have that mindset. Every person I've talked to has it a little bit of no one can do anything as well as I do. So why would I pay someone to do it for me? Right. The other thing that I love about this topic and also about your perspective on it is that like, you know, the flip side of the no one can do anything the way I can do it is that no one around, if that's like your true point of view and you never really delegate, no one around you gets to learn. Everyone just stays exactly as they are. And how boring is that? Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. There is a, there is sort of a cycle of micromanagement. Can you walk us through what that is and then maybe how to not do it? Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. Of course. Yeah. So micromanagement is one of those things when someone hears that word, they're always like, oh, I don't want to micromanage my team. Why would I want to go from doing everything to having to manage everything with a fine toothed comb? And on the employee side, no one wants to be micromanaged. Like it sounds horrible. It is horrible. But yet in a lot of businesses, we get into this cycle of micromanagement. And what ends up happening is as business owners, when we're resisting really giving up that control, we start to dictate everything we want our team members to do. And we train our team members that you can't move a step forward without my permission. And we don't really realize we're doing it, but it's because we're not able to really let go of that control. But because then we trained our team members to not take a step forward, to not do that next thing, to not send something to a client until we approve it, they learn that that's what we expect. So they don't do things without our permission and they don't do things without us reviewing it because they think that that's what we want. But then as the business owner, we're sitting there extremely frustrated that they're not doing things without our permission, without us telling them what to do. So then we think, oh my goodness, this team member won't do their work if I don't micromanage them. So then what do you do? You micromanage their work. And once again, <laughs> then on their side, they get trained that they shouldn't move forward without you. So it just creates this whole cycle where no one really wants to be in it, but both sides think that that's what the other side wants and needs. Oh, God. I see. <laughs> I see so much of my early business owner in that in that description, right? And also it's like we hire people, like how many times have you read a job description? It's like we're looking for a real self-starter. But then you hire a self-starter and you don't let them self-start <laughs> and everyone is frustrated because it's like, well, that, this isn't what I thought the job was. Right? Exactly. Ugh. And so you asked Renee, how do you get out of the cycle? Or I guess better yet, how do you avoid getting into it to begin with? Yes. And the first thing is, if you realize you're in the cycle, you need to acknowledge with your team member that you're in the cycle and that you are a contributing factor. So, Ooh, so the first step is just naming it like, yes. hey, I'm sorry. Somehow we landed here. Like, and honestly, uh, you know, I think it's important at this point just to say, like, remove the shame from it, too. Right. Like, I don't like you can even say, like, it wasn't my intention that we got here, but somehow we're here. Let's just fix it. Like, yes. Let's not. Point fingers, let's just fix it, yeah? Yeah, and to just tell your team member, hey, I helped get us here, helps them really see that you're not criticizing what they're doing, but you're trying to create an environment that's better for, bo for both sides. 
And because you don't want your team member to think that they're attacked as you're really going to right. fix things for both of you. So right. acknowledge that you've recognized that you're in the cycle if you're in it. And then what you're going to do is whether you're in it or whether you're trying to avoid it from when you originally hire a team member is set up a process that gets you out of those decisions. So one, one of the ways we say when you're onboarding and training a new team member or when you're retraining and setting new expectations when you need to get out of a bad cycle is follow this process where at first you do and they watch. So that way they see what it is that you want done. What do you mean when you say, I want things done this way? Because people interpret things differently than you say it because they're, they're coming from different backgrounds, different point of views. They might've done it differently, close enough, but differently for someone else in the past. So they need to see and really understand what it is that you want and what it is that you mean when you say things. Then yeah. if it's something where you can do it together, you do it together. So you're kind of both hands on with the process. You're really working on those things together. Then they do it, and sometimes you're doing it too, If it's but you're doing it separately, or they do it and you check behind them. So either you're comparing the work that you've done, or you're just checking the work that they've done, depending on what it is and, and everything there. So that way you can see, all right, they did it. Is it done right? You didn't help them through it, but now you're checking to see if they did it right. If they didn't, you're helping to explain what is wrong about it. What is different than what you expect? Because once again, they come from different backgrounds, different point of views. They might've interpreted things differently. They might not realize that they're doing something that doesn't match your expectations. So you need to tell them what doesn't match your expectations and help explain the why, especially if it's something where they're having a hard time grasping what the difference is. That's where you really wanna explain why the difference matters, why things need to be done a certain way. And right. this is one of the things that is hard for us that resists delegating is when you're explaining the why, because I said so is not an answer. <laughs> if you really can't think of a good why that ties back to, for example, client experience, safety, timeline needs, you know, things like that where there really is a good strong why other than I just like it that way, then you need to question to say, does it really need to be done my way or does it need to just be done? And that's where you kind of right. learn to start allowing other people to influence your process is when you realize what needs to be done a certain way and what can change because the process is different, the steps are slightly different, but the end result that matters is still achieved. And then once you do right. that where you're checking behind them, for a certain period of time and what the task is will depend make a difference at that time then you allow the team member to do it 100 on their own where either you're every once in a while spot checking depending on what it needs or you trust them just to run with it yeah i i was that was i was going to ask you is like does it really matter how we get from a to z as long as we get to z and in some cases i'm sure with whatever task it is it does matter right to follow all the specific steps but other times if someone comes up with a shortcut and you know as you said all of our brains are wired differently so what works for me might might seem bananas to my assistant right it's like as long as we get to z so, sometimes for me now all these years later most of the time i don't actually care how we get there as long as we get there right you know? Yeah, and there's certain things that it does matter and there's things where it doesn't matter. And if you think about it, how many times have have you gone and taken a course on something or been talking to a business friend and you're like, wait, what? 
I can do that in that system. Wait, I don't need to take these 12 different steps. All the time. (laughs) It wasn't that you were doing anything wrong. It was just that there was a way to do something that you didn't know about. Yes. Well, and the other thing too, right, is that um, I was thinking as, as you were describing it that like, they're also like when you said like, don't sometimes the why, right? What's the why? And the answer is because I said so, right? Like, haha. I will say like conditionally, though, depends on when you're asking the why, right? So early in my career, I had some assistants or I guess they were interns really, really, really early on. And on a wedding day, I would ask them to go do something. And instead of going to do it, they would say, why? And I was like, there isn't time for me to explain this to you now. Go do it and I'll explain it later. Because on a wedding day in the middle of a wedding, there isn't time to be like, so in order to have the optimum guest experience, what we want is to refold the napkins. There's no time. Just go do it. (laughs) But I had to then preemptively explain to my next assistant, to my next interns the next season, hey, this is going to happen sometimes and you have to just go with it. Like, But I had not had that lived experience of it yet, because I felt in that moment very challenged. Like, why are you saying why to me? Just go do it. Right. They were trying to learn. I felt like I was being challenged, you know, and it was like not, it was not a great. And then I did feel like I was micromanaging, like in the, in in the aftermath, because I'd say, don't ask me any questions, just go do it (laughs) and do it exactly like this, because I was trying to mitigate the, the, time between me asking and them doing right Right. and in that case it was like well it's easier to just do it myself but then i had to next season learn my lesson and yeah be a better communicator with that up front right and renee you just shared something that is so important for people to hear is it doesn't really matter how great you think you are at things like how many leadership courses you've taken or how many podcasts you've listened to when you're in the moment things are going to happen where you're like wait, I'm not necessarily prepared for this. I don't know how to answer this. I don't know what I'm doing here. And it's not that, okay, you're failing. It's just like, okay, well, now we're going to take this as a lesson learned and do things differently the next time. And you grow and learn. And it's you really need to get hands-on with a lot of things before you're like, oh, this is how it works for me. Or this is what, this is something I never thought I was going to experience. Right. Right. And also, like, if you're listening to Jamie talk about the why and you're like, I don't know the why, put that to paper, like put pen to paper, like get your SOPs down, like understand what the core values of your business are and why you do things the way you do them, because there's probably a correlation there. And if there isn't and it's just busy work, then know that, too, and maybe stop doing it. Like there's a lot of things we do, especially speaking wedding planner to I know the wedding planners who are listening. There are a lot of things we do just because we think we're all doing them. Right. right. Or we think the client wants it. And it's like, but why? What's the what's the direct benefit there? Maybe there isn't one. Maybe you can do without that one thing on, on a wedding day or that one thing in the back end process. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, I think that is so true. I know even when I started my business, what I produced for my clients looks completely different in a lot of ways from what I produce now for some of my packages, because I learned that clients who wanted certain packages didn't need everything, that they were only really looking for specific things. So I was putting all this time and energy into creating something much bigger (laughs) than what they needed. These bloated packages. It's like, oh, I'm going to do your dishes for you. It's like, nobody wants that. Just plan the wedding. Like, we don't need all of it. I agree. Bloated packages. And also, if we're talking about like financial bottom line as well, if I could just drop this in, like, go take a look at what you're offering every single person listening, because and take a look at what you're offering versus what they've actually used because you're you're likely bloating up your packages and you know leaving money on the table right exactly and then when you're thinking about you're overwhelmed so you need to hire 
Well, maybe you're overwhelmed because you're offering things that you shouldn't. So instead of hiring someone for that, you just eliminate it and you don't have to change the cost of your package because people are yes. willing to pay for it and they weren't going to use those things anyway. So you're yes. making the same amount of money and doing less work and not having to hire because as much as hiring is my zone of expertise and I want to help everybody hire well when they need to do it, I am a big believer that you shouldn't hire for your business if you don't actually need the help. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about the underlying fear here, because we've talked a lot about delegation and I know a lot of my listeners are probably feeling some kind of way in their belly about like, well, but I can't possibly. So what what is really the root of that? Like, well, no one can do it as well as I can. Yeah. So a lot of the times, especially for business owners, we are high achieving people. We know what it takes to get things done. We put things, we, put, we take risk. We put things on the line to build a business that then is our baby. We know, we've put in our blood, sweat, and tears, and we're afraid to have someone else come in and screw that up for us because chances are, it's how you're keeping a roof over your head and food on your table. So it's not right. like it's not like just a normal job where it's just like, okay, no big deal. Like I'm still getting a paycheck. Things get really right. screwed up. You're, there's a lot at risk. So we're afraid to put that risk into other people's hands because we can only control so much when someone else is doing the work. We are then afraid because we hear horror stories. We hear people talk about, I hired this person and I paid them and they didn't do any work. I hired this person and they stole from me. I hired this person and whatever, they weren't a good hire. You know, we hear these things all the time and we're like, yeah. I, I can't do that in my business. I can't take that risk. Hiring right. costs a good deal of money when we're looking at our expenses. It does. So it's, you tried to figure out, is the risk worth the reward? And a lot of times if you hire wrong or hear stories about when people hired incorrectly, it wasn't worth the risk. So we, we're afraid to then take that risk in our own business and then get the help that we need. It's true. I, you know, I think we, people are afraid of the hiring piece because like it does, it quote unquote costs so much money. And it, you know, it does. Like I have employees and we pay them legitimately. Like we pay employee tax and all the things. And, you know, it's, we're recording this at the end of the year. So I just ran all the numbers and I actually have to I have to admit, I looked at the figures and I said, yep, worth it, worth every penny because yeah. it allowed me to do bi and build many other things that um, at the time that people are hearing this podcast, I think might might be announced. But TBD on that. It's a secret. It's not a secret. If you have something, you know, in your mind, in your heart that you've like, oh, one day I really want to fill in the blank, right? I want to write, I want to write a book or I want to create a membership or I want to launch a course or anything that you, but you're like, I just don't have the time. That's when you need to be hiring to get some of the, the minutia of the job off of your plate. Right. Exactly. And, you know, real quickly, I can share the four signs that it's time you need to hire someone. And that we just shared oh my Renee, God, yes. is one of them. That there's something else you want to do in your business, but you can't do it because all your time has to be dedicated to your current offerings, to what you're currently doing. So yeah, like you mentioned, write a book. Well, you can't write a book if you don't have time to write a book, but you know writing that book is the next thing you wanna do. Uh, one of the other signs is you're having to say no to your idea client 
or you have like super, super long wait lists. And what happens in the wedding industry? People aren't normally going to push back their wedding date to work with you. So that's right. So you're, you're having to turn people away that you would love to work with. Um, then one it's of the true. other signs is you're having poor customer service. So mm-hmm. this has this is a two-sided thing. So either one with your current clients, they're no longer feeling supported by you the way that they think that they should be supported. And when, we're not talking about like those high demanding clients that expect you to be available 24 seven, respond back to emails within 30 seconds. We're talking about people that their expectations are normal expectations but you can't get yes. back to them in time. They feel that maybe all of a sudden that you disappeared and you ghosted on them because you're so busy that you're like, oh, I'll get back to that, I'll get back to that. And next thing you know, three, four days goes go by. So they're then not feeling fully supported. So what's gonna happen? They're not gonna give positive reviews when their friends is looking for a wedding planner. They're gonna say, right. yeah, I worked with one, but I think you should go with somebody else. So you lose yeah. then that business of referrals. On the other side, like I said, that customer service is two-folded is when people inquire about your business. If you can't get back when people inquire to say, hey, are you available? Can we meet with you? Can we do a consult? And you're not available to even respond to them, chances are they've gone with someone else before you get back to them. So maybe it's a week later you respond and they've already booked someone else. Even if it's two days later, I'll tell you, there was this stat pre-pandemic that said most couples who reach out to wedding planners hire the first person who responds to them, mm-hmm. which I thought was wild. I was like, that can't be true because like you go through the process, you interview people. But at the end of the day, you know, the numbers say that they they actually because they feel mo- most positive about the person who gets back to them first. Right. Isn't that wild? Exactly. And you think like for the couples and everything that you're working with, this is a huge day for them. And yeah, for you, they're one of your many clients, but this is their big day. And they're putting a lot of emotions behind their big day and they wanna feel fully supported. So yeah, that first person that responds to them, they're like, oh yes, this person understands how big this day is to me. They want to work with me. It really does create that emotional connection that is going to help boost you up when they then go start talking to other people and complete those other interviews is they already have that stronger connection with that first person they talk to. It's true. And then also, you know, I, I'm thinking specifically, there's a photographer in my market who I love, who a couple of years ago hired like an administrator in her business, right? And this person handles her scheduling, um, handles all the emails, you know, CCs her on things like obviously keeps her in the loop, but you don't really talk to that photographer um, you talk to her obviously on the on the consult call, but most of the time you're dealing with her administrator talking about scheduling and whatnot. And then you see your photographer on the day of the wedding. And I'm pretty sure that same photographer outsources her editing as well. And I, I admire her business model, right? Because I know so many photographers, no one started a photography business to get bogged down in emails all day. Plus she's shooting corporate, she's shooting weddings. She's busy shooting on most days, right? So she doesn't have time to be in her inbox. But I will say the clients that have worked with her over the years, they end up saying, oh, I love the administrator. I love, oh my God, I love her. And then they love the photographer too because they feel really taken care of and it doesn't matter to them that it isn't by the photographer. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's one thing, especially if you've built a business that's kind of around your personal brand, you're like, but but people are hiring me because they wanna work with me. And yeah, they wanna work with you for your expertise but is responding to emails your expertise? Is that why they're working with you? No, it's not. So let someone else Mm -mm. do that. 
Same. And, you know, even um, for me, and, and I've said this on the show a lot, but in case this is new to anyone, you know, we do a lot of things in my business. I have a wedding planning business. I have the education brand. I'm a public speaker and I have this podcast. This podcast would not be even exist without the team that runs it, honestly. Like Danny and Monica run this whole thing. Danny schedules everything. She, I mean, I just show up. I show up and I talk and then Monica takes it and edits it and it's, and it's great. If either one of them left or didn't exist in their jobs, I wouldn't, this would not exist. So it's okay to really, I don't want to say give up control because it's not like I don't have a hand in it, but I don't have to sweat (laughs) over the podcast because these very capable, very smart women have got it covered. Right. Right. And 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 I just it's about trust at the end of the day, right? Exactly. And Renee, I think you kind of just touched on the fourth reason why or a sign that you need to hire in your business and is typically because you don't have necessarily the skill or knowledge to do something and it's more worth your money to hire someone than it is for you to spend the time there. So maybe you know how to do everything for a podcast, but if you don't, why are you gonna learn how to do it? It's not worth your time. I'm not gonna learn how to edit this show. Right. Monica has job security for her whole life if she wants it, because I'm never I don't care. I'm not going to learn it. I have other things to do. (laughs) Right. Yeah, because you're not your business is going to potentially get more revenue because you have a podcast out there, but your business isn't going to earn more revenue because you personally edit the episodes. That's correct. Yes, that's absolutely correct. And, you know, the thing is, if you're if someone here is listening and they're like, well, I don't know what I delegate. Right. There are so many things that are you can delegate to start that are more task oriented that are not, you know, because a lot of this like only I can do it. I understand that mindset when it comes to like design, right? Like I get it, right? If your clients are hiring you as a designer, they're they're hiring you, your taste level, your brain. Giving that to an assistant or an associate probably doesn't feel aligned. But if it's like research, right? Getting a quote for a rental order, that's part of design that you don't have to do. You know, if it's um, one of my my associate planner, what I've been having him do for the last couple of months so, so that he knows how to do it is, you know, vendor paperwork, like getting their insurance documents, getting the required documents that the that the venue needs. I don't need to have a hand in that. I've been doing it for years. Let him try Like, let him learn what it's like. Right. The, you don't need to do it. And, and if it sounds like, oh, well, that's too minor to delegate. No, that's how you develop that muscle of delegation, I think. Yeah, exactly. So when people come to me and they say that I really need to hire, I'm overwhelmed with my business, you know, I know that I'm hitting one of these four signs, but I don't know what to delegate first, I have them create a list. I say, what is everything in your business that stresses you out, that you wish you didn't have to do, or that if there were two of you, you would be able to, you'd feel more comfortable because you could split the tasks with someone. Let's create a list of all those things. Once they create that list, so I'm not saying go and list out everything you do in your business, but the things that if there were two of you, you'd you'd feel better because someone else is helping you. Just same as you doing it, but someone else. And once you create that list, you then go through and start saying, what impact would would it be on my business if there was somebody to do this. So it's actually getting done or getting done well if it's something that you're not really good at. That's one of the steps where people then go through things and say, wait, I don't know how this impacts my business. And then we say, okay, maybe that's one of those ones that we just eliminate. We don't need to delegate it. We just need to eliminate it. But once you go through and see how these things really impact your business, 
We then rank them. And with that ranking, we can see these are the things that are gonna impact your business the most by delegating them, because they really need to get done and it's gonna be better for someone else to do them than you. So let's outsource those things first. Let's hire a team yeah. member to do those tasks because that's the most important. But sometimes if we start with what do we hate doing, we don't get that return on our investment that we're really looking for, mm -hmm. which then can sometimes yeah. hold us back from hiring again in the future. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I also think too, I mean, I'm just thinking sort of as we're chatting here, it's like, so the thing that I strangely alluded to before is that we're launching a membership on March, March 1st, first week of March. And I've been working on this for months. Well, in early December, I had a meeting with one of uh, my team members, Kelsey, and I told her about this idea, this membership idea. And I said, do you want to come on board as my assistant for this project? Now, the truth of the matter is that it's a little bit of a risk, right? Because I haven't launched yet. I actually don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we'll have 10 people, 20 people, 100 people, 200. I have no idea. But I decided beforehand, because I've been down this road before, <laughs> that it was it was more powerful to me to have the help in developing it and just kind of take a risk and go out on faith and say, okay, I, let's hope for the best, than to launch something and then be like, oh shit, now I need help. And now I have to catch someone up on all the work that's only existed in my own brain for this whole time. Yes. Now that is just the lived experience of me launching things. And when I launched my first course in 2018, I had zero help. I didn't even have a VA back then. I did. I bootstrapped everything on my own. I stayed up until like three in the morning. Jamie, it was a mess. I was a mess. But I was like determined to get it done. I'm an Enneagram three, so I'm just going to force myself through, you know. And I remember launching um, at the Wedding MBA conference and getting off stage and having already sold like 15 courses, which means I have 15 students and thinking, oh my God, I don't, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then by the end of that launch, we had almost a hundred and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm drowning. I need help. And then I had to rush out and find, thankfully I found an amazing VA, but I thought to myself, I'm never doing that again. Like once you have the experience of, especially with something like a launch, right? And then being in the weeds, it's like, no, 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 never doing that again. So I'd rather put the risk on myself then have that experience again. I just wanted to share that little anecdote for anyone who might be on the fence about like, well, I don't know. It's like, once you've lived through that feeling like you're drowning, <laughs> you don't want that again. Right. Well, just to kind of carry on with that example and everything, I had a friend that was something like very, very similar with. And for her, she wanted to launch her own podcast, but she really didn't have a whole lot of time to dedicate to learning how to do everything and doing everything herself. But she was like, I don't know if I can really afford to hire someone. So she mapped out how much time a week she'd really be able to dedicate to it. And she goes, okay, I'll launch my podcast in about six to eight months from now. And I was like, well, is that really what you want? And she goes, no, ideally I'd like it launched within the next two months because I'm launching a course and I would love to use it as a marketing tool for my course. Mm -hmm. And yes. I said, okay, well then hire someone to help you get this in the market. And she thought about that. She was like, well, well, should I? Because I'm not making money off of it yet. So should I invest in it? And we went through things and she could afford the help with what her business was currently bringing in. So she wasn't going to go in the red to hire this person today. She did, instead of having someone like a full-blown podcast manager, she only hired for specific tasks, but the tasks that mm -hmm. would have taken her the most time. Yeah. And she was able to get that podcast into market within two months. 
and used it to sell out her course launch. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it was like kind of that same thing. It's like you invest now to get the reward later. Yes, 100%. I mean, I, I know it's risky. Like I know, but also entrepreneurs like work, we're, we got to get comfy with risk. You know what I mean? Like, I always feel like I have my own back. Like, I'll, I'll invest now. And if I don't make it back right away, I'll make it back eventually. We'll figure something out. We'll iterate. I'm a, I'm kind of a hustler. So we'll figure it out, you know? Yeah. But if you, I also feel like if you don't invest in yourself in that way, like you don't have enough skin in the game, right? If she didn't hire that person to help her along and she's like, well, six, eight months and then maybe that becomes nine months, maybe it becomes 12 months. And all of a sudden it's on her list forever. Oh, maybe one day I'll start a podcast, right? And that's how these things get, you know, they get put on the back burner. Yes, exactly. Because what's the first thing that's going to fall off your to-do list when things get busy? Things like that, that are future tasks and th yeah. not things that impact your clients today. Right. But if you don't create them and launch them, you really don't know. Right. It could absolutely like it, it definitely impacted her life and her business. Right. 100%. This membership is definitely going to, to help people like that's why I'm so passionate about getting it out to people. Right. I think like I for me, I like to give myself shorter timelines than probably is necessary. Like I I probably could take a year to develop a membership, but I'm like, we have three months go like <laughs> because I know how my brain works in that way. Right. But let me ask you. So we talked a little bit earlier. You mentioned in passing like things we hear from other people who, you know, have delegated, who have hired and it's gone wrong, like, oh, well, I hired them and they didn't do anything or God forbid, I hired them and they stole from me. Um, how do you know you're getting value out of what you're paying for? Is it just the ROI or are there other ways to know? So if you're going to look at it from a measurement perspective, it really is the ROI. And I always say there's two ways to measure ROI when you're hiring. The first and most popular is financial. So what are you making because you hired this person? And what are you making over what you were making before? So when you hire somebody, it should help you grow your business to at least be able to cover that person's pay compared to what you were making before. So if you hire someone, let's just use simple numbers for $50,000, your revenue should increase a minimum of $50,000 because you have that person on your team. So that's your financial ROI that you're gonna look at. And this is our uh, gets measured, excuse me, in a few different ways. The first thing is for there's direct revenue generating positions. So these are like your sales positions, your marketing positions, where you can specifically tie what they're doing to dollars coming in. But then there's those positions like a VA that are indirect revenue generating positions. And these are ones where they're taking work off someone else's plate so that other person can go out and produce revenue. So it could be because you grow your business to the point where you could take on a whole nother wedding because you have the time, because it takes you personally less time to do all the planning because you have someone helping you in the background. So that additional right. wedding you take on means additional revenue that you couldn't bring in without that person. And then 100%. the other type of ROI that some businesses use, and this is a tricky one that you really need to be clear on this if you're going to measure your ROI this way is time. There's sometimes we are literally drowning in our business and we just need time back. We're working 70 hours a week, 60 hours a week, and we're like, I just can't do this anymore. And you look at it and say, I need help, but I don't care if that help brings me an additional revenue or not. It is just 
the time that I need back. I need to be able to stop working after 40 hours. I need to be able to at least have one weekend off a month to spend with my family instead of being at a wedding every weekend of the year. So Mm -hmm. with this, once again, you don't care if this position ever helps you earn an additional dime over what you're earning today because you're looking at the time that you get back but you have to make sure that you can cover that person's pay 100% with your current revenue, that they're yes. not gonna bring you into the red because you bring them in. So that's just one you want yes. you to be very clear on your numbers and what you're personally getting. Otherwise, people hire because they want time back and then get disappointed because they're not making more money. Right, <laughs> yes. But I mean, let's not understate the, the value of the time, right? Because like, I know especially coming off of 2022 everyone's burnt out the wedding boom has put everyone through the ringer and like like jamie said as long as you're financially comfortable like hiring someone just to get some time back so that you don't have to open the laptop after dinner so that you don't have to work every weekend like that is tremendously valuable so like let's put a little star next to that one (laughs) yes yes it is it is really important and sometimes you hire for time and then you it can turn into that financial roi because that person helps you catch up and clean things up in your business, make things more efficient, so that way you can take on more without having to work all those extra hours. Now, what would you say to someone, Jamie, who might have someone on their team right now? Because I know a lot of people listening, you know, have at least one or two team members, perhaps, but they're not really feeling like they're utilizing them to their full uh, capacity, or maybe they're paying them for hours. You know, they're just like saying, like, okay, well, you have this many hours. Uh, and not really feeling like uh, that's being utilized to its best. Like, how do you sort of maybe not do a full reset, right? But how do you kind of take another step forward in that delegation process? Yeah. So if you really feel that a team member is not being fully utilized, have a conversation with that team member. And part of that is like really figure out what their goals are, because maybe there's something that they really would love to get their hands on or learn about that you don't know. So you're not you're not thinking about delegating those items to them. So for example, maybe you have a VA that's helping you a lot with your email and planning, um, scheduling and stuff like that, but they're not helping you do any sort of social media or marketing, but this person really loves it. And when you have those conversations, you can then realize, oh wait, I can delegate this to you? You want to take on these tasks? Great. And then you can start filling that time that they have with these additional types of tasks that really light them up and they'll be happy about. There's other times when you have to look at it to say, has my business changed since I hired this person? And if your business has, and sometimes those changes are subtle, but it really makes a big impact on the work this person's gonna do, you have to see, do I need to restructure this role? And restructuring could be changing the responsibilities this role has, or it could be changing the hours. So. I went through this in my own business. I had hired a team member. It was my second employee. Uh, My first one was working for me 10 hours a week. The second one was working for me 20 hours a week. And then I reached a point where what I hired her for, I no longer needed someone doing that work 20 hours a week because I was scaling back on the number of packages I sold in that area. So it wasn't that I was just having a slow time. It was that this is probably never going to be up to 20 hours a week again for the next year, year and a half as the business continues to scale, possibly, but not anytime soon. So I had to have that conversation with my team member to say, 
I cannot keep you on at 20 hours a week doing these tasks. I can keep you on for 20 hours a week if we add this to your plate, but if you don't want these tasks, these additional tasks, there's two options. One, we reduce your hours, or two, I no longer have a place for you and we're gonna have to part ways. Right. And those yeah, conversations so are hard, but they're needed. Right. Well, and the other thing too is as far as like time tracking and whatnot, you know, it's also tricky, I think, for some folks because they're saying like, and I hear this from people that I coach, well, it would only take me 20 minutes to do that task I gave her, but she said it took her an hour. And it's like, okay, well that, I mean, yes, because you have more skill in that one area. So yes, it might, the difference might be, but isn't that still the difference that's worth it? In your case, you're literally saying this thing doesn't exist anymore. So it's just really important to, I think, um, understand how our our team members are using their time, you know? Right, it is. And that thing where you're like, well, it would take me 20 minutes, it takes them an hour. Once again, like as you mentioned, Renee, like they're not you, you have different skills, you have different areas of expertise. It might literally take them an hour, but is it always gonna take them an hour? Or as they build that skill, it will start getting closer to that 20 minutes. Is it taking them an hour because they're overcomplicating the process and you need to sit down and it's like, okay, well, walk me through what you're doing here. And maybe you're realizing that they're they're adding stuff to the process that shouldn't be there. And you can help do that retraining and reset your expectations of what should be done here. Because just yes. like as we talked about, they could identify a better way of doing something. They might also just identify a different way of doing something, but different isn't always better. So right. <laughs> sometimes you might need to be like, okay, I see what you're doing there, but how about we try this instead? It will save you 40 minutes of work. And they'll probably be like, heck yeah. Why should I yeah. take an hour on this if it will, if it should only take me 20 minutes? Right. And then I also say things like, well, it takes you 20 minutes now, but when you were in year one, didn't it take you an hour? Like they'll learn that they, you have to let them do things so that they learn. Yes. And I am also an Enneagram 3, as, as you are, Renee. And one of the things I know is like in every job I've had, I am extremely efficient with a lot of the things I do. There are things that would only take me 20 minutes that it takes the average person an hour to do. So that's one of the things you have to look at it is, is it just me that could only do this in 20 minutes? Is an hour really okay to do it here? Right. You know, and right. still, it might have saved, it might be only saving you 20 minutes. You might be paying for an hour of their time, but that hour of their time should be less financially than 20 minutes of your time. Like if you think about it as you're scaling your business, you yes. should be making more in 20 minutes personally than you're paying them in an hour. Yes, 100%. I love that you said that. Yes, Jamie, this has all been fantastic. What would you say so to someone listening who has yet to take a single step in delegation? Like, what's the very first step? Is it the mindset work on getting over? I'm the only person who can ever do this the right way. Yeah, you got to work on that. But some of that, you just really got to jump in and do it and trust yourself and stop holding yourself back. I would say one of the very first things that you should really be doing is recognize how you're holding your business back by not getting help. Recognize how yes. you personally are being impacted. And once you realize that, you, you'll you then be more motivated to hire someone because you'll see what they can do for you. So just to share a quick example here is as I was scaling my business, one of the things I noticed is my revenue looked like a roller coaster. It would go up and down, up and down, up and down. And why? Mm -hmm. Because I love the client work. I hate marketing. 
So when I am busy and have a lot of client work to do, I put 100% of my effort there, which means I do very little marketing. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh my gosh, but now I don't have any clients because I've wrapped up those projects. Let me go all in on the marketing. And then I get that next wave of clients. And so I recognize that this was going on in my business instead of me having steady months. So what did I do? I started hiring people that would help me with the marketing side of my business because I needed to help stabilize my business in that. And that's what was gonna grow my revenue because I was no longer gonna have those dips in my revenue. So smart. I feel like a lot of people listening just heard themselves in that anecdote. <laughs> like yeah. when it comes to client, like to, especially wedding planning clients, right? Because a common truth is that the more we're posting on Instagram, the more we're doing um, outreach, like showing our work, the more we'll be hired. And so uh, I know it's true for me with Moxie Bright, you know, the more we post, the more we get inquiries. When I stop posting, we stop getting inquiries like that. That direct correlation has has occurred. So getting someone even just to do your social media, which those of you who are longtime listeners know that I'm on the fence about that, because I do think your social media kind of has to come from you. But you can still hire someone to do the actual mechanics of it, if not the content creation itself. Right. Anyway, that's a whole other Oprah, you guys. We can't get into it today. We're out of time. <laughs> Jamie, you have a free resource for us, though. I'm so excited about it. I do. You can. I'm gifting to you my hiring checklist, how to hire the right team for your growing business. So this checklist brings you through the eight steps that you need to take to get the right people on your team. So that way you feel comfortable delegating and you feel like you're getting that good ROI for what you're paying your team members. So you can get that by going to growingyourteam.com excuse me, slash Renee Dello. Say it one more time. Growingyourteam.com slash Renee Dello. Yes, we're gonna put that in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't get into an accident. We'll have it for you. Um, <laughs> Jamie, where else can people find you on the internet? Yes, so my website is growingyourteam.com. So you can go over there and see everything that we do or inquire about working with us to help you find the right team members and learn how to hire like a pro. And you can find us over on Instagram at growingyourteam. Lovely. Everyone go follow Jamie on Instagram. It's where most of our wedding pros hang out. I don't know if you spend a lot of time there, but we love it. Yes. <laughs> We're all Instagram all the time. Jamie, thank you so much for your time today. I just think this is such a fantastic conversation. You guys work on your mindset, like release control. Like this is the way forward. Thank you so much, Jamie. Yes, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me, Renee. You're so welcome, Jamie. Thanks so much for being here. To my lovely listeners, you know what I'm going to say. Your time is very valuable, and so I never take it for granted that you spend it with us. We will see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.